Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan. With me, as always, is Logan. How are you today, Logan? Oh, I'm trying to get over this sinus bug or whatever this is. It's a, it's been awful. So yeah, I, was gonna um, say, I don't know if there is a sinus bug. Yeah, no, it's just sinuses at that point. It's sinuses, it? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the good thing is, is typically with sinuses, I can think well through things. With head colds, I become useless. But so that's when I know the difference. So I, I, I can feel it all in here and I'm not usually sick. So, well, so that's what we'll say. So if Logan says anything dumb or that you disagree <laughs> with, it's a head cold. All right. He's, cold, yeah. he's got brain fog. Yeah. Right. Uh, if he is right on the money, it's just sinuses. So mm-hmm. uh, correct. Drop in the because... comments below what you think, what you think his affliction is based on what his takes are later in the show. Right. Um, this will be you... our first of a series called state of the union and this will be our uh kind of state of the player pool type of thing where we're going to look at a position and kind of give our thoughts on the positions looking ahead to 2026 and um you know uh who we see taking that uh position by then and and also who can currently be in it for like something like copa later this year yeah, we got competition galore coming up, Jordan. So we thought this would be a good time to start to jump in to uh, said U.S. men's national team. And we're starting to do these Sunday fun day episodes where we're going to be covering all sorts of different things. But uh, we thought we'd get into some U.S. men's national team because we got a bunch of news. We've got a bunch of uh, different things we're going to talk about today that will impact probably the pool uh, going forward. And, man, lots to dive into. And, Jordan, I remember last time we were covering World Cup, two years out, it felt like it it got quickly to us like it like 2022 got to us really quickly so that happens in june and soon we'll be talking oh man now we're uh now we're about a year and a half uh away from from really ramping up to world cup stuff yeah and we have a lot building up to that copa this year next year the club world cup uh 2026 world cup so i mean we're gonna have tons of little benchmarks and stuff that we're going to be hitting and events we're going to be having in, in 2024 and stuff, uh, you know, like here in the States in 2024 and 2025. And we'll hopefully be covering all of that uh, on the podcast. Um, Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. So I think Copa starts. I have a countdown, actually. Let me pull that up real quick because I have to find out when it starts because my wife is due around that time. Okay, never mind. It starts on the twentieth. So I've like I think the final is like two days before my wife is due. So uh our Copa America coverage should be mostly uninterrupted if everything goes as planned. Yeah, I've got to find like a, a temporary host <laughs> when that time comes. So. Yeah. Yeah, good luck. Find somebody. Yeah, so find somebody. I don't know who. I don't even know who would. If you're interested and you're out there listening, and you you want to jump on while Jordan's temporarily down for the count, when the when the when the when the child is born. Yeah, that'll be. Maybe he can step in. She can step in. He. She. He. It's he. It's Landon. Right. (laughs) I forgot. Landon can step in. There we go. There's that brain. There it is. That head. Oh my god. Yeah. So it's a head cold. Oh god. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all right so i guess uh if you wanted to kind of explain what we're doing here on the first of this series 
and uh, maybe why you chose to start with uh, strikers. Yeah, I think that strikers, when we've talked about it in the past, it was the one that we really highlight as being crucial to U.S. men's national team going forward. And I think with all the interesting options that we have currently in the pool, uh, and they've gotten progressively better, and they've gotten older, and their experience is, is gaining, uh, I, I thought it would be interesting to jump into U.S. men's national team strikers because I think it's the biggest hole that we have to fill. So I'm interested to see what your thoughts are, uh, what our thoughts are together, what we kind of come up with. Um, the idea is to give 10 strikers. So we got 10 strikers that we've listed based off of the sources that have kind of gathered. And it's 10 people that I think I probably would have picked if you gave me the list. But we picked 10. We're going to come up with our top five. And then Jordan, you and I can try to to, to break it down into our depth chart, however we want to do that top three, top five uh, together on what we think might be might be the U.S. men's national team striker depth going forward in 2026. But we're using we're using today's play, uh, what they're doing currently with their clubs and where they are. That's a good thing to catch up on where they are playing because I think a lot of people lose track of them while they're out of U.S. men's national team camp. So we're going to update you on where they are, what they're doing, how it's going, uh, and then going forward and building our our depth chart. We're going to do that with all the all the rest of the spots, but I think the rest of the spots are a lot easier because I mm-hmm. think we've heavy favorites and all those other spots so there might be some center back debate but i think this one's a this one's a real challenge i think because of all the options and nobody's really stepped up yet all right so uh so how, how do you want to do this you want to look one by one first and then yeah. kind of uh form a consensus three after that, I think we should do top three because that is going to be how many we probably take with us. Okay. To twenty twenty six. So I feel like that's probably where we want to be. Yeah, and I think we can we can start by reflecting on who the U.S. men's national team took last time in the World Cup in twenty twenty two, and they had uh, Jesus Ferreira, Josh Sargent, and then uh, Haji Wright. So those were the three forwards uh, as far as strikers were concerned that that U.S. men's national team. Uh, deployed in 2022 and Jordan what were your thoughts overall as far as like those strikers that we brought I know that was a a cause for concern because they really didn't do much Um, but what were your overall thoughts on on those three do we do we feel confident that those three are going to be the same three possibly no yeah I'm not confident that those are the the going to be the top same top three so uh, Haji Wright was the surprise, right? Yeah, I mean, he he was the surprise one. We all kind of thought it was going to be uh, Pepe, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't. And it's really hard to judge our strikers with Greg's play. If you just look at Greg Berhalter's history, it's not really conducive to strikers, right? Right. Um, usually struggling to score goals. Uh, that's other places than the U.S. I know you could say, mm-hmm. well, they're struggling to score goals at the U.S. because of the lack of striker. And I think that's part of it. I, I feel like we have probably... For some reason, since we've lost Dempsey, and even even before Dempsey, when we had Josie, this position has been marred 
by injuries consistently. Just, I, I, I don't know what it, it's kind of like when I would watch like the Ravens uh, for the last like two years before this year when they fired their strength conditioner. The Ravens were always just having injury issue, injury issue, injury issue. We're like almost the whole team's on IR and you're like, what are we doing wrong? And I don't think it is anything that we're doing wrong. But even if you like take a look at not the strikers and you look at how Pulisic's been his injury history, right? And then you look at then you look at the strikers and you're like, Josie's down. You know, we'll talk about DK, we'll talk about PFOC and and just like Sargent had injury histories at times, right? So like there's been these things that have always kind of contributed, I don't know, since twenty fourteen of like not having strikers at the right time that are, that are, that are healthy. Um, And then that's what makes you rely on somebody like Clint Dempsey at 30 plus right Uh, years old and why the player pool in 2018 wasn't really, I mean, even if you wanted to count Jordan Morris, which he's not on our list because he's more of a winger now, but when he was kind of coming up in that time of 2018, he was, at college kind of playing in the the striker role for the club uh, for the team here he's since had a lot of injury issues right so there there is like this uh almost like we're snake bit when, when we talk about certain positions in in the national team view of things so I think we're going to hopefully have more options for 2026. I, like, I wouldn't be shocked if we get somebody that, that isn't on this list at some point that just comes out of nowhere. I know we've been saying that previously, but that Haji Wright thing kind of felt like it came out of nowhere in the 2022. And he actually did score a World Cup goal. We'll talk about that when we get to him a little bit more. But I just don't think we're probably seeing these three i don't want to spoil my picks but i would say you're gonna maybe see some or one of these into 2026 but you're not gonna see all three of these again uh in the same world cup squad yeah that's all really good points i love the talk of of josie altador just because there was a, a reliance upon him and then when he got hurt in the world cup it felt like it, it did. It felt like that was like the nail in the coffin for that team. And I felt, you know, it, there was a lot of talk of like, can he at least just play 45 minutes? Cause that's all we really need. And we don't really have a backup striker that we feel confident in. And I think that was Wondolowski in behind him at that point, but it was, it, it felt the U S men's national team. Jordan has always felt like they've lacked that dominant scorer. And like you said, Greg Berhalter's MO has always been, they play well defensively. They're pretty good collectively, but they're not, He's not known for, you know, this attacking, you know, attack-minded team that's going to to bully you, score a lot of goals, and that seems to be the way that world soccer's gone. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the teams that they're going to be up against, like a like if they went up against an Argentina, if they went up against Brazil or France, like all those teams are going to get goals. England, like they are so attack-minded, and they lack some in defense. Where I think the U.S. men's national team stands up pretty stout defensively. And we saw that in the World Cup where they they held their own with a bunch of the big clubs. And I, I think that is a huge strong suit for, for the United States with Tyler Adams. And then you have 
Miles Robinson and, and Walker Zimmerman back there. You've got uh, Reynolds. You've got, I mean, you've got tons of options back there defensively, and that's never been the issue. We've always looked to the issues going forward in the attack. And Christian Pulisic is, is going to be that creative style player where he's the one that's going to get you goals, but he's not somebody that's going to score a ton. Same thing with Gio Reyna. Like, that's not his, that's not his sweet spot. So, they rely so heavily on their wingers and their midfielders to create and basically score. And this has always just been like a, a spearhead without a sharp point for the United States. And so I'm interested to see how they, how going forward, how this works, but it seems like Jordan, I mean, Greg did say like when he got back, when he got hired back with the United States and he's, he's a bit, you know, he's officially been announced that, you know, he, he does realize that there's a, there's a concern with the formation, which they're playing in a four, three, three, because it just doesn't feel like it works as well. So, he said that he'd play a little bit with it, but Jordan, I don't, he's not one that really changes his methods. He he's kind of that stuck in his way kind of coach. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but I'm interested to see what your list looks like, because I think we've got some great options as far as number nines are concerned, but even two or three goals, Jordan and group stages, and then one or two goals in the round of six, like that, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for this guy to come in and, and be like a, a Lana Wowski or uh, yeah. Londo, what are you, what is his name? Wondolowski, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> There's that brain again. I was like struggling. Um, We're diagnosing yeah. you with head cold right yeah. now. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I'm interested, Jordan. I'm, I'm excited because this was, this is a lot of fun to create these notes. And uh, I'm sure that you probably had some fun with it looking over as to who you want to put in the striker position. Yeah. It, I don't know if I'd say fun because it is still my worry uh, going into 2026. Yeah. Um, and look, here's the thing. World Cups, they don't usually score a lot, right? Like a striker. Yeah, that's true. Maybe gets like the top goal score usually six gets like eight, six maybe. goals, right? Yeah. Six, seven goals. Now they might get more because there's going to be more rounds now and more games, right? Because there's going to be more teams. But you're usually looking at the sweet spot of like six to eight goals. Um, and a lot of those are starting to come from tens, I feel like, you know, like Messi and 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 players of that caliber that, you know, pool six probably going to get a couple, like you said, and right. hopefully help you that way. But overall, we just weren't scoring a lot. I, I still felt pretty good about 2022. What we did. Uh, you know, we 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 should have beat Wales. Right. Right. We got uh, back into it. We like drew England. Yeah. And then you end up. Uh, beating Iran, you, you got through, yeah. right? And then Netherlands was the real frustrating one. That right. that game was was the frustrating one where you're like, we're not even like playing well right now. But it's kind of be expected to me for me honestly. I, some people for some reason think we have. I saw somebody say we would win the Asian Cup, and I look, South Korea and Japan are not winning that, winning that Asian Cup, and, and they're probably. At times, like Japan's better than us. At times, they beat yeah. us in a friendly recently, right? Like, right. smashed us. Yeah. I I don't know how you said smashed us. Yeah, Japan. Okay. First, I thought I heard fascists, and I was like, "What?" Okay, <laughs> no, um... I'm not calling the no. Japan smashed <laughs> us. Yeah, it's the sinus. <laughs> no, he's okay. not. I was like, "Wow, all right." Wow, Logan's taking an extreme on his podcast. <laughs> he's got Alexi Lalas on us. <laughs> So I I thought that some people have this like hubris of we should be better than a lot of these nations. And for the way I still look at it is we yes, we have that history, right? You can look back in 1950 when we beat uh, England or whatever. 
but it's not the same because then we had a huge downturn of just not not playing at high levels, missing World Cups. I'm really curious on what I Logan's thought, laughing yeah. at. <laughs> oh, but, I, it's, I thought you were going to say in the 1940s we beat Japan in World War II. <laughs> That's what I was like. Was he going with this? I got you now. Okay. No, no. But then we had like a huge yeah. downturn of just like not making World Cups, yep. not having a league, right? Like we had the uh, NASL until like it collapsed, and then we had nothing until MLS came up, and then so your players are only playing at high levels when they go overseas. People can crap on MLS all they want, but players here are still playing at a at a level that they were not playing when we were missing those World Cups. So we kind of had this setback, huge setback of our soccer identity. So Netherlands have been playing nonstop. They've been, you know, a team. And they, they, they've reached World Cup finals and stuff. I can't sit here and be like, oh, we should have beat Netherlands. Were they weaker than 2010? Yeah, of course. But they're still a good team. And when you get to those European teams that have it in like their DNA and their blood, it's tough to say like, Oh, we should have beat them in the round of 16. So I can't judge us on that. And people saying again, like this, is what drives me nuts. Logan is when people say like, if we don't get to the semis of Copa America, Greg is gone. I'm like, we don't even know what the draw is. We don't know who we have to face. If we draw Argentina in the quarterfinals, are we supposed to beat them? They're the world champs. No, we're not going to beat them. Maybe on a one-off, we can. We can. I'm not saying we can't. We can if everything goes our way. But I'm not going to be like, well, if you don't beat the world champions, you're out, dude. Like, that. that's tough. It's really tough to do. So I I totally get where people are frustrated. I Look, we didn't want Greg back. I now have to back him because I'm not going to be somebody that's just constantly – shitting on the manager because there's nothing I can do about that. I I have to like, look at what the results are going to be going forward. What choices he makes going forward. 2022, I thought was a good step. I wanted somebody to come in and take us to the next step, but I don't know if that person was out there. Uh, I know people are like, go out there and get this guy. It's just like the players want it, Greg. Fine. The, the, uh, Federation was fine with Greg. All right. It seems like they did have my biggest complaint that if we were going to bring them back, bring them back earlier and not just have this lame duck interim coaches for however long we did where nothing really happened in that. You know what I'm saying? Like there was no, why are we having interim coaches in tournaments then when, if we were just going to end up with Greg anyway, put him back in get him to call in these people so they have familiarity with him and his playing style instead of just kind of messing around with coaches that are not going to be there. So that was my biggest complaint with the thing is like either rehire him. The investigation was a sham. I'm, I'm sure we can probably agree to that. They they just, I felt like they wanted to delay announcing him back because of uh, of the investigation. And then... Or hire somebody else. So it's either bring them back earlier, hire somebody else. I felt like we kind of lost a year. Same thing when they were trying to find Greg. You know, we had like interim coaches 
at that point before Greg took over and then they just settled on Greg and you're like, okay, but we lost a whole year after a failure of a world cup in 2018 where we didn't qualify. We lost a whole bit just playing games with not our real coach. Like that's the stuff that's driving me mad about the U S men's national team and, and kind of the U S soccer federation. They've kind of rectified that with the women's team um, because they've locked in Emma Hayes already and she's going to be there after the Chelsea season. And it's like, great, we at least we know that. But it seems like when they're hiring American coaches, especially the men's side, they kind of wait and wait a whole year and then they just pick the most uh, – the most disappointing one. I don't want to say that because like I'm I'm not like anti-Greg like a lot of people. It's just I remember being a little underwhelmed when maybe that's what I was saying. Instead of disappointing, underwhelmed. I remember waiting for that to be announced, and they then they announced Greg Berhalter, and you're like, why'd that take a year for us to figure out? So kind of same thing with when they rehired him. It's like, why did it take six months, seven months to be like, yeah? And then once they did hire him, they're like, well, we're still gonna let the interim coach coached this tournament. What? Like, so all of that to say, I know that has nothing really to do with the striker pool, but it kind of does when you're looking at the coach needs to be able to see these players. And when you just have like this seven month period where the coach is not doing anything because you don't have one and all these players are still coming into these tournaments, you're like, all right, I guess he's going to review the tape later. Like, he, I don't know. It's just kind of mind boggling. And I'm hoping that after 2026 and he's gone, I'm assuming Greg will be gone. It's like two term presidencies. Sorry, you're out. You're not eligible next time. Uh, I don't feel like a national team coach should be there longer than that. Usually anyway. And they find somebody, if they take a long time to hire somebody, hopefully they find the right person is all I'm saying. Like, uh, either go with your gut and pick who you want it to, to begin with, or, cast a wide searching net. I think this time there was there was a wide net, but they realized a lot of the choices they wanted were probably not interested. People like Jose. Uh, I don't know if we were really interested in him, but you know, like that type of thing where you're like, oh, we need the big name. So all of that to say, Jurgen Klopp 2026, come on down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's taking a break, Jordan. Um, sounds like everybody in Europe is going to be taking a break at this point. So the, the U.S. will have a have an open shot at some of the best coaches that have ever coached because it sounds like all of them will be out of a job by the end of the year because uh, they've gone into, you know, I think a lot of them are taking breaks, man. It's just so it's it's just so dis- destructive, I think. some of It's the, draining. The Club football is draining with all the competitions. Yeah. National team, you have those time off where you're just like, I'm going to go watch this guy play. Yep. And you don't have a camp. You know, that's like the good thing. Yeah. Yep. All right. So let's jump into the striker pool and the striker list, uh, because I think that's our next step here. And I thought it'd be interesting to start off with uh, the guys that at least two of the guys that were there last season that I think some people have on their on their short list of people that we have as far as options are concerned in, in 2026. But Jordan, let's start with Jesus Ferreira. Jesus. Uh why maybe they, they pick him is because he does a lot in the midfield. He's more of a creative, uh, I guess, nine, as you would put it. More, I think, suited for Greg's system than probably some of the other strikers on the list just because of how good he is at hold-up play and how great he has been 
uh, in helping the attack in Dallas. He also does the same thing for U.S. men's national team, and he's not really that prototypical striker where he's just goal-oriented. He is physical. He likes to press. He likes to get after and make uh, the other team make mistakes, and I think that's what's benefited him tremendously in his career. I know he did that with Miami – or, sorry, against Miami in the preseason game they just had, and he got a goal – um, Jesus has looked great in the last two seasons, Jordan. He's got 30 goals and 10 assists with FC Dallas in the last two years. And, and really he's carried that team. Like he's put them on his back and he's really carried FC Dallas to being a really competitive team in the Western conference here in our league. Um, if you like Jesus Ferrer, you like him because, you know, he's not only just going to win you balls, but he's going to get and, and create difficult spots for the defense. And I think that's part of what makes her Jesus so, uh, tempting for Greg to put in on the roster. And so I think that's why Jesus is featured quite a bit. And, and honestly, I think it's, he's turned more into Greg's guy than I think most of the other ones on this list. But I think there's a lot of different options out there right now where, you know, he might fall further down in that depth chart. So I just want to get your thoughts on Jesus and, and what you think about Jesus going forward, because I think he's, he's an intriguing option for Greg to say the least. What I want to see from Jesus Ferreira is the next step. Yeah, that's a good point. The next step. What worries me, Logan, we've talked about this on the FC Dallas preview, is that uh, Moscow, right? Was it Dynamo Moscow or Spartak, Spartak Moscow? Yeah, Spartak, yeah. Tried to purchase them for $13 million. Now, uh, they couldn't because of just sanctions and stuff like that. But what worries me is that not that he was going to go there. I think he would have probably, uh, that would have been a good step playing wise, maybe not where he's living wise. Right. But uh, the Moscow, like the Russian leagues do have some good uh, play some good football at times. What worries me is that that was seemingly the only team interested or that would have matched that amount. Um, he needs to, and we're advocates for major league soccer. We, you know, we podcast about it. I'm not like a Euro snob, but I do think at his age, he's getting, he's what, 22, somewhere around there. 23. Yeah. 23. Yeah. He needs, this is the age when you need to make the jump. I think uh, 25, you're going to start being too old for the European teams, you know, at, at times. So, this would be the year you need to make the jumps. That way you can kind of settle in. So let's say summer, he needs to leave. He needs to settle in with his club over the course of the summer and training and preseason and then get ready. And he won't be able to though, too, because he's going to be in Copa probably. Right. So that's a worry, but then he's going to have to then adjust to the new league he's in, start producing and hopefully be ready for two years from then to be playing in the form of his life for 2026. I don't know if that's going to happen this time. If not next year, he really would need to go at 24. Really need to go. Uh, Otherwise, I think you can have a player like this from MLS on the roster, of course, but he, he would need to be, continuing to crush it with how many goals he's been putting in. And he would not be the starting striker, I think, because I I just don't know. 
I just don't know. I I would not have him if we're talking about our top three for 2026. I don't have him in it. I don't. Unless if he makes that move and can prove that he can adapt to a higher level of play. Again, not saying this as a Euro snob or anything like that. It's just the reality of we're going to want our best strikers to be there, the best players, for 2026. This is the time to make the impact because it is going to be here in America. You want to make a run. You know, you want to make like a deep run. And deep doesn't mean like semis. I think a quarterfinal run would be great to get people in this country really excited about the prospects of this team going into 2030 and just getting those kids that are watching in 2026 to say, I want to play soccer. I don't want to play football. I don't want to play basketball. I don't want to play baseball. I want to be a professional soccer player that then gets those kids. So we have another golden generation in what would that be like another 10 years from then, you know, that's kind of the goal on what, on what you want to hit here and to do that i think you need to have the best players and while he is probably the best one of the best strikers in mls i do think to be able to be a starting striker in in this team by the time we get to 2026 he's gonna have to be playing overseas and and scoring goals yeah and i think jordan like you said i you make a good point and i think if he goes to a european club he's not he's not the striker that european clubs look for the European clubs are much more attack-minded, goal-scoring, goal-threat kind of clubs, and it's really hard to try to find a team out there that rely on their nine to be. He's almost more of a midfielder, and he only scores because I think he plays kind of a second striker, which they don't typically, uh, you know, deploy in a lot of those English and uh, you know German leagues. There's a lot of just that guy, and you know, he he's not really a winger. He doesn't really play in those. I think that does teams. play overseas though, because like I, mean, I, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like sometimes having like the nine that's almost like a false nine almost fits in rather well over there compared. It depends on what league. Like if he goes to the yeah. championship, no. Championship's going to be huffing it up, right? head the ball in, you know, like old school English football of whip the ball on the box, let me head it in there. On most championship teams and relegation fodder teams, if he's going to a place like like Spain or a top English league that uh, English team in the Premier League, which he wouldn't get into those teams. But, you know, like if that's where he's going, where they play more of like, you know, before City had Holland, right? It was a lot more of not a target yeah. guy up top. It was a guy that could kind of drop back, be able to get the ball, move forward the way that Jesus Ferrer can do. So I do think it could work. It's just a, a it would mostly be on fit. Where is he going to go when he goes there? And when you look at players like Gio Reyna ending up at Nottingham, sometimes you're like, oh, maybe that's not the move to make right now. Yeah, no, and that's true. Football is all about fit. And it's about, especially there, just because, like you said, I mean, we've had guys go places where like, why, why, why is he coming off the bench? Like Ricardo Pepe hardly broke at Augsburg. And I, I think that was because they just didn't know what they were doing. Uh, and I think the U.S. and MLS clubs are, are very guilty of selling players to places that they aren't fits, just because the price tags, have, you know, it's hefty, and they don't—they're not used to getting that much money, especially interleague. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think you make a good point though. I think Jesus has qualities, but I think there are a lot of qualities lacking in what they're going to need going forward in 2026. He's not a guy that moves the needle and that's my concern for him. Moving on into the next striker, Jordan is Josh, Josh Sargent. Uh, and Josh uh, has come back into his own. Uh, he had struggled with uh, some time off, but now that he's back, Jordan, he's got seven goals in 11 games. He started nine for Norwich City. And Jordan, he, he's starting to look like he's starting to look like what they thought he would look like. Uh, I think he's starting to kind of come into his own. He looks to be uh, a guy that's always going to be threatening in the box. He's very strong. He heads balls in, kicks them in. He does everything. Um, he presses pretty well. He's a bigger guy. Um, more physical than Jesus is going to be. But, I mean, Josh has really turned it on in the championship, and I think he's he's starting to make a, a good case for, for possibly being uh, that number one guy that, that Greg maybe leans on. But we'll see as we kind of get into the depth whether we think so or not. But I don't know. He's, he's got a good resume going into some of the camps coming up. 13 goals last year, seven this year. Like you said, seven in 11 games. He had 13 and 40 last year. So he's at a better pace this year. Um, he's only 23, right? Which which is what we said Pepe is, but he's already adapting to the overseas flow of things, Josh Sargent. So he's kind of ahead of the ahead of the game there. This would be my pick of right now. If we were playing a meaningful game right now, so Copa, he's the starting striker. I think he can play the style that the rest of the players that are a team can play. He's going to go, like you said, he's kind of the most, um, um, has like the most characteristics that, that you would want in your striker. I believe he has a kid now. He's, I believe he's married. So he's already like maturing at that, at that rate. He's, uh, that's one thing you'd worry about. Like, Oh, they're having a kid. Like, are they going to be up? late and like not sleeping as well uh he's already adjusted to all of that now he's scoring goals he's playing well um he scored yesterday right so like he is on fire right now and he is my pick of who i'd be like right now we have a meaningful game sergeant is starting he's he's getting goals he's playing well he's Norwich fans are really starting to dig him, right? Like I always see about them tweeting about him under the goal, you know, like them saying that he scored a goal or whatever. People loving Josh Sargent over in Norwich. And this is fine too. He doesn't have to make a leap to another big club. I mean, he could at some point, he's only 23, but like I kind of like when our players are ingrained in the, in the club a bit, you know, where the people are like, Oh, we love him. And it's not like a Weston McKinney lead situation where he's over there for half a year and then they kind of despised him and he's gone again. Like, get into your club. Get that feel with the club. I really like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, playing in Germany for a bit, he was so young and just didn't – he scored some goals. Like, his best was 2020 to 2021 when he scored five goals and two assists. Then he kind of, you know, trailed off a bit when they got relegated, and then he got the, the loan to um, – loan slash buy to uh i believe it started as a loan to norwich in the premier league you know only scoring two goals and one assist in in, in that uh but he only played 26 games 
but now he's really finding his feet. And I think that's one thing that like, when you're in a relegation battle, a lot of times they're not going to give you the opportunities to really prove your worth. They want to be able to make sure that they get a player out there that is going to score them goals. So he kind of didn't get that opportunity as much. Um, and it was like his first time adapting to <laughs> to English football was in a relegation battle while he's 21 years old trying to figure it out. So in comes the relegation to the championship. And then he's starting to play a bit more. He's starting to flourish a bit more on his, on his uh, game and getting opportunities. Uh, yeah. So I really like uh, how much he's scoring right now. Like you said, he can kind of do it all. And I, I feel like right now he is the option. If we're looking for an option. Yeah, I agree with you. I think right now you pick a, you're picking a number nine, and he's the one. And he's just he's so scrappy, he's so physical. He's exactly what Greg likes. I think he was he was the one that Greg has kind of pinpointed as the guy. If he really started to turn on, he would be his choice because it, it did feel like when we'd come out of like camp or something like that, or they hadn't been in camp in a little bit, it seemed like he always kind of floats to the top. Like he's the one that Greg just goes with based off of, especially if they're not in form, if they're you know, it's a summer camp and they're not playing, especially in, in Europe. He, he seems to be the guy that they, that Greg picks to lean on when you need just some consistency. And I think that's what Josh offers. And he was hurt in that round of 16 game. And I think, you know, he's such a stable factor up there where he is, he doesn't seem like somebody that's going to make mistakes. And I think that that's what you really have to rely on in some of these competitions. He's not one that's really going to, whereas I think Jesus decision-making sometimes can be a little bit difficult for him. I don't think that's really a thing with Josh. Like, I feel like Josh, like you said, out of the bunch, if I'm looking at this, he is. Like, he's played with the U.S. men's national team. He he was that – he's in that generation where it's kind of forgotten. Like, he's a little bit older than these guys that are coming through now, like 21, 22. He's more of, like, where, I guess, Weston is, Tyler is. Like, it it feels like he's got more experience, and he's not he's not really dazzled and razzled by the situation. And I think that's, that's ultimately a, a benefit and a factor going into – choosing uh, a world cup roster. But like I said, I, I think you're right, Jordan, if I'm picking or if I'm picking a number nine right now, he's the, he's at the top of the list because of his form. All right. Yeah. Next one. All right. So uh, we're going to move on into Balagoon Jordan. And this one is really interesting because he was not available for selection really uh, the last time because he's in between clubs. He had, determine which club he would want to play for internationally he has decided the united states and jordan i think he was the most hyped striker and i would say is the most hyped striker on this list because of his output last season with reams it's not been the same in monaco so there's people going well well now what man this guy had such a, a huge year last year and he's not been the same since going to monaco and we can kind of talk about that but he really is the guy like Talent-wise, I think skill-wise on paper, this is the one that I think a lot of people say he's got the skill to be that number nine we've always been missing and and that top generational talent of a striker. It just hasn't come together for him yet this year. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on Balagoon, where you kind of place him. Is he somebody that we're really considering to, to compete as a top striker for this list? Um, and I guess what, what do you think of his year this year since it was such a, a downfall from last season? Kind of, kind of like you said, it's a little expected because he goes to Monaco, who who is a much better place than than Reims, right? So yeah. his 
his issue there is going to be kind of breaking in and like you said, getting that right. that playing time. His uh, what he, he played thirty four starts last year. Thirty three point three of them was what ninety minutes that he played. So yeah, he was he was playing almost the full games. Eleven starts, ten of them around ninety minutes, ten and a half. So I guess a game or two he's been subbed out. Then you have 15 matches played, four of them where he's probably just uh, coming in, right, to the to the game. He's only got 945 minutes right now. But if you look at this, this is a top-flight league compared to his Middlesbrough loan in 2021-2022, uh, where he had 891 minutes, 18 matches played, nine starts, three goals, three assists. He's actually producing uh uh better in the less amount of games with four goals three assists so just one goal just one goal better but it's about his usual pace right last year kind of seems more of the unusual pace but he was also playing more his team needed him more monaco you know they're what fifth place right now they're they're a team that's usually more in the higher end of the table compared to last year where his club finished 11th so they're going to have better quality He's not going to get as many chances. That just comes with the territory. I think he is still like the number two option. I think at some point he can become the number one option. But also when you look at this is only his second year ever really in the top flight. Like, yes, he had, what, two games in the Premier League before when in 2021, 2022. Two matches played one start. He only played 70 minutes total, though. This is his first, like his second full season with a club in a top flight league. And that is going to be the defining point. His production's kind of about the same as what it was in the championship. So he's not like he's losing anything in that regard. He's kind of like, that's like his base, I would say, that we can kind of project outward from. But when he's playing on a tougher team, like a better team, he's not going to get as many chances. Second full season, people maybe even know how to defend him better and how to stop what he's doing a little bit better since he's not like – he was out of nowhere last year, just boom, right? He was like a Arsenal prodigy. He goes to Reims, right, and then goes and just absolutely put on a show in the same league. The only concerning thing is that he is in the same exact league as last year and is struggling a little bit more, but sophomore slump is a real thing. This could be something he just bounces back from next year. Maybe Monaco's not the right fit. Maybe he does go somewhere else after this. He's still only what? 22. I, I, I do think he can still come back from this. It's not, he's not done. He is struggling just a little tad, but I think he'll be fine. And I think if we're looking at 2026 or even this year in Copa, I wouldn't actually be surprised if he's the starting striker in Copa and that Sargent's the two man, but with the form right now, I would go opposite, but I I totally think this guy's still going to get the call uh, as long as he's not injured. Yeah. I think what you said is right. Um, He's, He's not had as quality of shots looking at his uh, advanced stats. He's had about the same number of shots, but again, they play more possession football. More it, so 
possession football, for those that don't know, it's much more calculated. Whereas at Reams, they were just going nuts. Like, like they just drive off of chaos, and then he's a chaos merchant. I, I think that's part of being young, too. Like, part of being young is, is, like, you don't really have any fear because you're just going after it. And I think that was part of it. This year, Jordan, like you said, I think the biggest thing is he not only goes from Reams to Monaco, which is a big jump, but he stayed within the same league. And when you play in the same league, teams are going to figure out what you're doing. Like, it's not like, you know, he's going to Germany. They're like, oh, here's a new uh, here's a new striker we got to figure out and a play style that we have to figure out. Uh, they have figured him out. And, and like you said, Monaco is going to go up against teams that are, that are fighting against them because they're a top five team in that league this year. And, you know, they're going to go up against PSG. They're going to go up against some of these big clubs that really try to take advantage of of what Monaco is because, and, and they're going to play them tougher. Like there's not many, I would say Jordan, there's, there's also this, this feeling in sports where if an 11 is going against a 13 or 11 is going against a nine, like they're going to play each other pretty similarly. Whereas, you know, and, and there's a little bit of like, okay, we, we can play not our best against an 11 and, and win. Whereas when you're playing against a top five team in a league, you're going to get their best effort every single time out, it feels, right? So there's that. There's a sophomore slump. He's 22. He's not, you know, it's not like he's taken a big step back. He's just not been as great, obviously. And it was such a good year last year that, you know, maybe that he does score some goals that maybe he doesn't score typically. Um, it, It just, you know, luck of the draw. And you see this quite a bit with strikers. They have a good year. They have a year. They're like, oh, it's not as good as last year. And then they'll bounce back. So I've got no issue in him, you know, having four goals at this point. I think once he starts to get more integrated at Monaco. And like you said, fits everything. If it's not a good fit for him, then he moves on. And we see that so many times where, you know, teams just aren't good fits for some of our players. Like Chelsea. I don't think Chelsea was the place for Kristen Pulisic. He goes and he, he finds a good team at AC Milan, and now they're, you know, he's thriving. So, again, I, I, I'm interested to see where he ends up. I'm interested to see where all that skill comes together because I still think, like you said, he's the number he's the number two currently behind Josh as far as, like, who I'd put out there right now if I had to pick a list. But uh, I'm interested to see where he goes for it because I think his ceiling is a lot higher than some of these other players on this list. All right, next up on the list, Jordan, Ricardo Pepe, the the black sheep of the family because he was out last year. And, and a roster snub, like you uh, alluded to earlier uh, when we were talking about Jesus. But uh, Ricardo Pepe, Jordan, uh, he's in the Eredivisie. How do you say that again? Eredivisie. Thank you. Um, he's now with PSV Eidhoven. Um, and, Jordan, he's got four goals, one assist in 16 matches played. Does not have a start. That, that's what shocked me. Uh, because I thought he'd been playing quite a bit over there, but I guess he's just been subbing on. And actually, uh, so... I have to correct this. He just scored like while we were recording too, after oh, being on for a minute. So uh, no five salt. goals. <laughs> good. All right. So five goals, Jordan. No starts, but 16 matches played. Uh, he's still very, very young. He's at 20 years old right now. Um, probably the most inexperienced of the group uh, that I would say. There's another one on this list that's very inexperienced as well. But Jordan Ricardo Pepe, I don't really know where to put him. Like, I I don't know what to think of him right now. I just feel like he's this 20-year-old kid still trying to find his way. And I'm not sure he's quite found it since leaving Dallas. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, at Dallas, he scored 13 goals. He at, Yes, last year, at, uh, Gron, uh, Groningen. Uh, I don't know how to say that. 
um, when he was on loan <laughs> from Augsburg, he scored 12 goals. So, like, he, he did adapt to the league. Again, he's on just a much better team. They're in first place right now, uh, which means it is it's tough to break in. Like you said, no starts, 16 games, right? So he's, he, his minutes is at 232 minutes, right? If you project it out to the full season, you're looking at like 400, 500 minutes. Uh, his full season last year, uh, 2,453 minutes after 29 games played and 28 starts. So again, the downsides of being on a team that's really good is uh, at 20 years old, they probably still see you as somebody that is uh, in learning and, and not, you know, PSV, I know of, and if they want to win a game, they're not putting Pepe out. They're not. He came in, yeah. they were 3-1 up, he made it 4-1. That's the type of games he's going to get into right. uh, and, and get most of his opportunities to score goals. I think this one is kind of the, I don't know if I would say dark horse because I do think people probably do project him to be uh, a figure to handle going forward. People saw it as a snub that Haji Wright got in over him. I do think Pepe has a shot at 2026. It really depends on if he can continue doing what he's doing. Maybe at some point PSV Eindhoven sells the players above him and he is now getting the opportunity to go out there and be the figurehead. And then from there, he makes a move somewhere else. He's still only 20. And that is what I think gives me the biggest hope. If I'm going to have Ricardo Pepe is the biggest hope is all right. He's two to three years younger than the rest of the strikers we're talking about. And with that, he's going to get, he can find his feet later. We're talking about Sergeant finding his feet at 23. That's, that's three years for Pepe to kind of figure out. Now, he may not be 2026, right? There is an opportunity where he gets snubbed again and then ends up 2030 when he'll end up being, uh, what, give me six years from now. He'll be 26. That's the prime of his playing career. You know, so it can go either way for Ricardo Pepe. If he starts killing it, yeah, he'll be on 2026. If not, he'll be 26 years old in 2030 <laughs> yeah, and be able true. to still kill it. Like that is... Uh, he'll be at the prime of his life. So he is the one that I look at and I'm like, I would probably have him as option three, but it really depends on how it shakes out uh, fr from here on. I think he just has a good nose for goal. He's played well for the U S men's national team when he does play. Um, you know, he gets those goals at times that just like after he comes on as a sub and you're like, great, that's what exactly what we need it right now. And we probably could have used that in Qatar. But I don't know. I, I think at such a young age, he made he has tons of opportunities and he's playing in a really good team in a I don't know. It's not a top five league, but I would say it's probably six or seven in the world. So I would, you know, put that as, you know, he's he's doing pretty well. He's produced last year at the same output he was producing in Dallas. The Air Divisier, I do think, is mostly better than Major League Soccer, so he, it's showing he can adapt. And then now it's just the unfortunate of being on a really good team and not getting as many opportunities. Yeah, what a problem to have, I think, too, uh, going forward. 
uh, because of, like we'll, we'll continue to talk about this and, and we have concerns about this position but Jordan we like you and I have talked about like all these dudes are under 25 years old like in 2030 Josh Sargent will be uh, I think he's about to turn 24 so he'll be 30 um, in 2030 uh, that's still a great age to be playing right. like to be a striker <laughs> that I might know. be when he's playing his best he might be the yes. most experienced then yeah. yes I was gonna say that's where the top strikers in the world are when they're 30 years old like that's that's it man like that's they've reached it that's the level that's the pedicle uh is right there around that age is 29 30. that's when that's when you have your best years you're consistent you're a veteran you're that guy right but then they've got uh balagoon who's gonna be 28. they've got cade cowell and ricardo pep here to be 26. like what well, it's great because 30 boom 28 boom 26 boom like you've got two year gaps like that's perfect and they're finally got those generations filled in like that they've been missing uh but like you said jordan i think ricardo pepe playing in one of the best leagues outside of the top five i think they're out of the top five so um area is a solid damn league and psv eidenhoven is one of the best teams uh when it comes to competing in champions league games and that's where ricardo pepe is going to be he's going to get some you know, some time and some run if he continues to play at PSV. So what what a great spot for him. And like you said, if they sell off some of those players. And, and again, like this could be in three years that he's PSV's guy. That's the backup. And you see this so much with some of the younger kids in the European clubs where 22, 23, it's his time to shine and baby does he roll. So he's the chosen one. He's the one that everybody before Balagoon decided to come to the U.S. Uh, national team. He's the he was the chosen one. He's the one that everybody thinks is going to be the next big thing. And I and I think I think they might be right. The kid's got unbelievable skill. So really, really excited about that one, Jordan. Another guy I'm really excited about, and it's our next on the list, Jordan. And it's been rat- relatively recent, and he just he's one of those guys that could be a besides Ricardo. I think he's the next big uh, black. Uh, what do you call it? Dark horse. Sorry, black horse. <laughs> He's the next dark, dark horse, horse, right? Yes. Yeah. So Brandon Vasquez, Jordan, our MLS uh, Brandon Vasquez. Well, no longer MLS former um, former MLS uh, star Brandon Vasquez, who's now made his move to Monterey in Liga Mekis. Jordan Brandon Vasquez was a shout for a lot of different people to possibly contend with Ricardo Pepe in 2022 uh, to take over that roster spot because he had had such a great season with Cincinnati. Uh, I can't see that. It says 18 goals. Yeah. 18 goals for Cincinnati in 2022 leading up into that season or sorry, that world cup Jordan, he was phenomenal. And I really did think that he had a chance and he played in some of those camps and he played in some of those games leading up to, to world cup qualifiers. So I, I thought there was a good chance he could, I thought Ricardo would get over him and nobody had any, but Haji Wright was on nobody's list. So what do you think, Jordan, of Brandon Vasquez, 25 years old? He's a little bit more experienced than all the rest of them, and he's late to the scene, but he's arrived. Well, I'll start with saying I didn't find it that shocking he wasn't called in to, uh, you know, the the, um, World Cup team in 2022. Uh, I, I know a lot of our friends at Cincy Soccer Talk were always like, oh, it'd be great if Brandon Vasquez was on the field at when yeah, you know we're down a yeah. goal or whatever. But I don't think Vasquez would have really done much for us anyway in the World Cup. Part of that, again, is just from the way that we, we play. I mean, he, he had a down year last year, if we really want to be honest about it, right? Uh, played 400 less minutes and scored 10 less goals, six less assists. Um. Monterey's already got three goals, right? Great. 
awesome. Liga Mekis is better than MLS. I will say that when it comes to quality of play, but, but I, I, I don't know if he stays at Liga Mekis. I don't know how good his shot is. Um, this probably would have been the year, right? Right. We said 24, 25 is around the time that you would have wanted to make that jump overseas. I think he may have missed the boat at this point, you know, um, Monterey is probably not going to go back and flip him to Europe like right after this season. So if they if he goes over like 27, 28, it might be a little tougher for him to get in there and adapt at that point at that age. I would say this is the one I'm actually the most out on of the fact of him having a shot in 2026. Does he have a shot in Copa? Hell yeah. He's playing well for Monterey right now. He can get in the Copa team. But it, we're looking at two years from now. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to to make the squad. again. Look, if he's scoring like 20, 25 goals in Liga Mekis, yeah, okay, fine. Like, he's going to make the team. But I just think that... Uh, Liga Mekis is a step up from MLS. It's not a huge step up from MLS, I would say, in that regard. So I'm, I'm just not sure on uh, his trajectory right now. If 2026, he's there. Now, if he's scoring goals and playing well, I think he will be there. It's just, it's hard to say. He just moved there. He's got three goals. It's how many games has he played? Um, like four. four. Um, so it, it's tough to say at this moment, for sure, what, you know, how well that's going to work out for him at this pace. Yeah. He's probably going to have a shot, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think you're right. I think some of these offshoot tournaments, he's got a chance because of the form he's in, but Jordan, I, I look forward to 2026 and 2030. And I think Greg's going to want, or the next coach is going to want to put guys in 2026 roster that are also going to play in 2030. And I don't think Brandon is. I don't think Brandon goes past 2026, even if he made it in 26. See, I think uh, Vasquez has the great shot of being the more, I don't want to say it this way, but the more senior member. Because I do think you're going to want yeah. an older guy there, too. Like, I don't know if you want Sergeant Balogun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you want Sergeant Balogun and Pepe. They're all, like, around the same age. Right. He's at least two years older than Sergeant uh, five years older than Balagoon or something, right? Five years older than yeah. Pepe and like four years older than Balagoon or whatever. Like that is a good, yeah. he might be the guy at that point that you're like, okay, he, we need a goal right now. Let's bring him in and see if he can get it done. But I don't think he's going to start in that, in that role. Yeah. So that's a good point. Um, let's move on then. Uh, so we don't go too crazy on time. Jordan Pifok. Uh Now Jordan Pifok just. I'm here injured. for three hours. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's what most uh, radio station and podcasts are. If we were on the air for three hours, know, we could do it. Anybody that wants, uh, wants to sign us on. Um, but yeah, Jordan Peefock, uh, not you, but the other, um, injured Saturday hamstring, went down, helped off the field. Jordan didn't look great. Uh, injuries to the hammies are never good for soccer players. They tend to stick around, as Josie Altador knows. Um, he is 27. I didn't realize that. Uh, that was wild to me. He might be 28. Font mob is weird how they do their now their ages. I'm not gonna. I, I guess I, let me pull it up just because it's right here. Uh, let's see. He's it says 27 on his stats. Oh, now it's getting redirected. Okay, cool. Okay, we're gonna go 27, 28. 
He is on the edge, Jordan. He's three years now older than Brandon Vasquez, almost three years older than Brandon Vasquez. Uh, I like Jordan Pifok. I don't know if you can rely on him injury-wise. I I think there's been times where, you know, he's struggled to get on the pitch uh, with different teams. Um, He's been hurt in some season. Like, it, it... for me, if I'm looking at this list, besides Brandon Vasquez, I'd say he's the lowest on my list. Like, I feel like PFOC, and, and people argue, well, he's he's got, he's done it pretty well at a consistent level um, the last couple of years, but, like, not enough for me to go, he's going to do that consistently for the United States, because he never did. I mean... Uh, his 24-year-old season and 25-year-old season, he's playing in the right. Swedish league, uh, Young Boys, scores 12 goals and 22 the next year. And they're good, yeah. Then he goes to the Bundesliga, though, and he scores four. He scores zero due to an injury, right? Uh, or then he transferred uh, to Mönchengladbach. And yeah, it was a weird transfer. Four. I, I kind of think that's his level. It's like maybe four, eight goals in, in a top league like that. I don't think he's good enough. I, I don't. Um, when he was scoring the goal so much for young boys, you're like, okay, yeah. Like sometimes when somebody's on fire, even if they're in like the worst league ever, you get them in because they're not worried about like they're just gonna have that confidence. They're like, oh, I've put like 57 past the fifth tier. I'll, I'll do it here too. They don't care. But sometimes that can backfire too, where then they're like just totally outmatched. And I think he's not gonna be. I don't. I don't think he has a shot at the, at the age he's at, twenty seven. He's still adjusting to, I guess, the Bundesliga. He's been there for what two years, um, so far. Eight total goals in forty five games, and he's not getting a lot of playing time either. Fourteen matches, but only eight hundred twenty four minutes. Only, only, you know, nine of those games has he gone on average, 90 minutes. I, I don't know. I, I don't think he has much of a shot. No, I don't either. Um, he was one on the list. I was like, eh, it just doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me. Um, it felt like 2022 been... was the opportunity to be like yes. third man instead of Haji. And that, and that was it. Yep. And he wasn't. So moving on to said Haji, Wright uh, in Jordan, I just sent you this tweet. He scored again today. Last last uh, couple of seasons were 13 goals in 2020 uh, 20 and 2021 with Sorn Dinesk, uh 15 goals in 21 22 with Ant Poor, uh 16 in 2022 and 2023 with Analyst Poor, uh, and 11 and counting with Coventry City in the championship. Uh, Jordan, what do you think about Haji Wright? He was a complete surprise, I think, for many of us uh, in uh, 2022, but a nice surprise. He had one of the goals, one of our three uh, in 2022's World Cup. Uh, but honestly, when I was looking at it, he really was the most threatening of the bunch. Like I, I felt like he had more runs and got in more, my, behind more lines than I think any of them did uh, in 2022. And that includes Josh Sargent, who I thought, was pretty decent in his showing. But what do you think? Haji Wright, does he have a good chance to make 2026 roster? I think he has another opportunity to be a dark horse. Yeah, I mean, like, he's playing well at Coventry City right now, which is in the championship, same level as Sargent, right? Um, 
this name takes me back, man. I remember him on the Cosmos, okay, in 2015. Oh, wow. I, I remember him on the Cosmos. Ding, ding. People hyping him up as he goes to Schalke um, to play for their U19 team. And then it just like you never heard much of him until uh, he went and you find out he's in the, the Turkish league scoring goals. Uh, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's where he went now, huh? I didn't realize that's where Haji Wright ended up, but yeah, I totally remember him when he moved over to Schalke and then, um, that's wild. Yeah. You know, he was scoring 11 goals in their U19 team and everybody's like, he's going to be our guy. And, uh, look, maybe if we made the world cup in 2018, he, he goes there for some experience or something, but we missed that one. And then it just kind of felt like, you know, he's, going around he's staying at Schalke for a bit he gets loaned to Sandhausen goes back to Schalke he's only scoring one goal each then goes to Denmark and scores 11 and then kind of revitalized his career a bit goes to Turkey you know scores 14 scores 15 scores eight in Coventry City he's still only 25 he's got opportunities but I think most likely no I do think most likely no. One thing he does have going for him is six foot three, so he could be that opportunity of like, oh, we'll whip the ball into him. And the fact that he scored a goal in in the World Cup this year, where or last year, that you're able to say he's got World Cup experience. Maybe we should bring him along. But ultimately, I'm not sure if he's going to make it. Yeah, it's a shame. He's 26, um, going on 26, I think. Uh, so this is, I think 22 might have been his last ride because I think that in 2026 there's going to be more enticing players for Greg to pick from. Um, and like you said, Jordan, there's there's probably definitely somebody out there that that we're not even talking about in this this top 10 that make that list. Um, like you've got the likes of, I mean, Duncan McGuire sitting in the shadows. Like you've got different players that are young that Soto, like I, you, you've got players that I think could break into this roster or we have dual nationals that we don't know about until like a Balagoon situation decides to play with the U S men's national team because the depth elsewhere is not uh, conducive to them playing or getting playing time. So yeah, this one, Jordan, I think if we had some injuries to some of the big players, he might be some of that. He might be the one Jordan that you bring as far as depth piece. What do you, what's that? What happened? Are you laughing at me now? What you do? No, I'm laughing at my wife. Sorry, oh. she sent she sent me the grocery list. Uh, oh. So we have the just. Uh, I, I don't know why this is cracking me up. So much. Is there a number nine on that grocery list? No, the one of the oh, okay. items is. So we have like the Gatorade powder. Oh yeah. One of the items on the list is pre-made Gatorade, and just the way she wrote pre-made Gatorade. <laughs> made me think like yeah like the normal gatorade it's just cracking me up that she referred to as pre-made but that's funny um yeah. but yeah go on sorry no it's totally fine um i thought she put a nine she listening through the door like God, we need a number nine on that grocery list <laughs> uh but yeah I, I think haji is a good shot if somebody gets hurt i i think he's on the outskirts uh looking in uh and i but i think greg goes a different direction which we'll give our top three here in a little bit uh which we've already alluded to kind of Next up, Jordan, is Daryl DK, and unfortunately, Daryl looks yeah. like he's uh, torn his other Achilles. He just had Achilles surgery on the last, uh, or this last year, 2023, was uh, riddled with injury. I think he got hurt in April of last year, didn't play all yeah. 2023, just came back a couple weeks ago to start the new year, knew him, and really did look good 
in the in the games that he played. He's getting back into the into the feel of things. But Jordan comes down with another what appears to be a ruptured Achilles tendon, so it's likely he misses all of 2024, which will put him completely behind the eight ball, uh, not only in the club uh, that he plays for in West Brom, but also I think it puts him behind the eight ball in U.S. men's national team. And yeah. he's not young. Uh, he's an older uh, player, even though he's just come out of college. 20, 23, 24. Yeah. Right? So he's a little older than the rest of them, where I think the rest of them have that you know, that high ceiling because of they're a little bit younger. They've got more experience when they were 16. Like he was an older player coming out of college. So it's interesting to me because DK to me, Jordan, having watched him play in Orlando, having watched him play, like he's got just raw ability. There were times where he would, I think he struggles because he's not, he's not as skillful. He's more of a bully ball. Yeah. Gifted. Right. He just is so powerful, and that's his thing. And that's how he gets goals. He's just such a powerful human being. But, Jordan, I just don't think it's going to hold up. I don't think his body's made for it. I, I just, I'm really concerned. It's too bad because I really love Daryl. He's such a nice guy. But uh, I don't see much promise for him going forward. And I, I really just, he's going to be that guy that fills in every once in a while, but I just don't see him making many U.S. men's national team rosters. Yeah, I feel sorry for the guy. He just can't stay healthy. Uh, right. Orlando sold him at the perfect time. He scored 18 goals in two seasons, and then he was he scored nine at Barnsley, you know, on loan, and then they transferred him back over to to, to West Brom, and then it's been hell. Uh, it's like a cursed club almost, right? It's kind of yeah. what he's been they are. dealing with. Uh, it's hard to believe he's been there for four years. 2021 to 2022, he moved over there. Uh, played two matches. I guess got injured. Then played uh, some games. Uh, one game actually with the West Brom two, due to I guess coming back from injury. Played 23 matches in 2022, and that was his best year. There, seven goals, one assist. But that ended in 2023 when in, what, April of 2023, yeah. he got injured and missed 264 days. And if it is another Achilles, that's another year gone. And, and like you said, like while that is – his body may bounce back at some point, but the biggest issue will be that he lost approximately two to three years due to injury. Yep. And then having to readjust the level and stuff. I wouldn't be shocked if this is one of those players that – West Brom lets go at some point and he just ends up in a lower league or back to MLS and sees out the rest of his career that way. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Um, Almost like a Josie. That's what I was thinking. Like has all the skill and ability in the world. So powerful and strong. And he's built like Josie, like, but, and the other real concern, like some people like, well, I mean, they're just, you know, they're, it sucks two injuries to the Achilles, but it's also been thigh. Like, he missed a lot of time due to those thigh injuries that he has. He's had hamstring issues, and somebody yeah. that big and that muscular, when you get a hamstring injury, that's a bear. He had the shoulder injury that kept him out forever in Orlando and was never really talked about, but it kept him out for a really long time. He missed five games in 25 days. So, yeah, he's just never going to be healthy, Jordan. It's really unfortunate. I hope he does come back to MLS and he does have kind of a Josie Altidore story where he gets to at least you know score 8 to 10 goals for a team somewhere. It's healthy. But... Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I think he could still have a career. His body can bounce back, but 
but I don't know how many times West Brom is going to be like, we got to keep running this guy out there. Cause it's going to, yeah. at some point they're going to be like, we can't rely on him to be a guy that even subs in. He subbed in yesterday and got hurt. Like yeah. for them, it's going to get frustrating in the sense of part of our depth right now is going to a player that can't stay on the field. If we yeah. had somebody that could, maybe he, that guy is coming in and scoring goals and we're going back. And they're to promoted. The yeah. yeah. So instead, you know, that's what's going to end up cycling w- with him a bit, I think. Yeah. Great point. Because they're fifth. Um, they're fifth in the league. Yeah. Fifth, fourth. Like, that's where they sit usually in the, when they're not promoted. Like, they're never a team that gets torn all the way down. They, they always are competitive. No, um, yeah. And, the lowest is like 10th, right? When yeah. they were there last. And, right. Uh, yeah. It just but sucks. Blow three years ago, he had such a promising. Yeah part with Barnsley and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, he'll go back to Orlando. Orlando played him for a bit. They flipped him for more money with West Brom. And then it's just falling apart. I do. I am concerned Jordan that maybe too many games too fast for him uh, was the issue. And you hate to say that, but like, well, he I mean, came he, from, he never had an off season. He didn't, he, he yeah. played for two years straight. Like, you know, and that's when he got hurt. Um, which is really unfortunate. I don't want to blame it on that. And I think he did have some injuries, uh, injury history in college as well, but nothing like this. Like this yeah, because he just... came in at 19 after college. Yeah. And I think he had, what, maybe one year at college then, right? And then yes. just yep. playing 17 matches, 19 matches, 18 matches. And then, you know. Without a break, right? With, yeah, without a break too, because he went from Orlando to Barnsley and then Barnsley the back to yeah. Orlando because oh. the seasons are flipped. And yeah, that was probably part of the part of the problem. That's th- that's uh three thousand six hundred some minutes I'm looking at right now. Yeah, yep. Or more. That's insane. Yeah. It's a lot. All right, on to the next one, Jordan. Jeremy Abobasi. Um an interesting one that a lot of people had on their list uh, because he didn't really feature too much with uh, them leading up into qualification for 2022, and he didn't get any. How is he still only 25 years old? <laughs> I know, isn't that nuts? Yeah, isn't that nuts? Like, I think because he was 18 when he started with Charleston. I remember, I remember him in Charleston. Like, he was yeah, like, yeah. he was a big deal. Um, and I, it's funny, yeah. And then Portland, you know, like that's 2017. Yeah, that's really that's, that's seven years ago, and I'm watching him then. Yeah, yeah. It seems like he's been around forever, right? Like, it seems like the you know, I I, I thought he was the age of the Charas. <laughs> that's how old I thought he was. <laughs> But I think nope. that's because just how long the Chars have been here and how long he was with them. Because he's been there all, like, that was pretty much who he spent most of his time with until he was. Yeah, yeah 2017 but, to 2021. Right, he was there forever, it seemed like. So, I don't know. Like, Jeremy's always just been around. He's that guy, right? He's always around. Um, interesting because I, I think he fits well with Lucci Gonzalez in San Jose. I think he's going to play pretty well. I think he'll actually get more goals because Kate Cowell's out of the way. But I don't think Jeremy is a legit contender for anything. But you know, maybe a camp cupcake or you know a camp where some of these guys just can't do it, or in the summer when these European clubs aren't playing, uh, or these guys aren't playing in European. They're like, you know what? Let's just call Jeremy in to see what he's got. But he's like a Brandon Vasquez to me. I think he's he's all but done with the U.S. Men's National Team. I think he just gets some random appearances. No, I, I agree. I, I don't think Abobasi really has a shot. Um... 2019 maybe when he was scoring 11 goals with Portland and he was 21 years old and you're like, Oh, maybe let's see how this develops. But Portland for some reason was like adverse and allergic to playing him. So he goes to San Jose. He's playing well, 17 goals, 10 goals, 25 years old though. 
I don't know if he, this is like one of those like gold cup next year during the club world yep. cup. He's as a exactly. perfect shot at type thing. Are we good to move on? From yeah. Him? I know we that's got sad, the, last, but, uh, the yeah. last name here. Now this one's a real interesting one to me. Um, and this one has been a real interesting one to many people. Um, even San Jose who couldn't figure him out. Uh, Jordan, he was 15 years old when he made his debut. His professional debut was at the USL level with Reno. 15 years old, 16 years old, Jordan made 17 appearances at San Jose. And yes, we're talking about the glorious Cade Cowell with his lovely blonde hair, the blonde mullet, whatever he's got going on down there. Um, he's riding the backs of uh, different uh, superstars down there, Liam Eckes. Like he's, he's that ingrained into the club already. The kid's having a blast. He's on Twitter and, and TikTok uh, blasting all the haters because I guess the San Jose were relentless the fans with him and, and some of the u.s men's national team of course on twitter were relentless with him but kate cal jordan he's played okay with chivas guadalajara uh do you think that this continues or do you think that kate cal is just who kate cal has been for san jose and you know and he's very young like that's the one thing i'll i'll, I'll that create some hesitancy and i'll warn people about he's only 20 like the kid's only the same age as ricardo pepe and I think has a more he's more of a mean streak than Ricardo Pepe. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on Kate because I, I think we have a lot of debate on this whenever we used to talk about San Jose. I mean, I, he's got potential. Yeah. It's just I, I'm kind of in the wait and see camp because yep. he was so hot in the sense of people being like, oh, this is the next guy. And then like scores like three goals, five goals for a season. And you're like, Okay, it's not tearing it up like Pepe was. It's not Jesus yep. Ferreira levels. If we're gonna bring somebody from MLS or like, I would even say probably if you're bringing somebody from Liga Mekis right now, you're probably bringing Brandon Vasquez. It, but when he's, I mean, look, playing that game against um, uh, Forge right in the Champions League, Champions Cup, gets what two goals and an assist in that game. Uh, so played pretty well in that, but also then you're like, well, take an account, the opponent. I don't know. It, it, he is still young. So I think he has time to make an impact on this team. I don't know if it's 2026, he might be another peppy 2030 situation where maybe he plays at Chivas for a couple years and then plays well enough that he does get the move to Europe and, uh, is playing, and scoring goals, not saying that he can't have a career playing. Like if he's, if he goes again, like Vasquez and he's scoring a a lot of goals in Chivas in Mexico, then yeah, he's probably going to always have an opportunity to get called into the team. But I I just don't know if two years from now, he's, he's one of our options. I think he's still maybe 2020, 2030, somewhere around there. Yep. I totally agree with you. I think, 2030 is more his opportunity, and I, I don't think he's better than some of those names you list. I don't think he's better than Falcon, who's going to feature in 2030. I don't think he's better than Ricardo Pepe, who's going to feature in 2030. Josh Sargent might be there because he's that veteran presence that you need. Uh, yeah, I, I would I would be shocked if he makes any of the U.S. men's national team rosters for the World Cup, uh, to, be on, to be quite honest with you, because I just don't think he's consistently doing it like Ricardo and them are. Uh, and even when he features U.S. men's national team, at least Pepe's scoring. 
Josh is scoring, Balagoon scoring. When Cade gets out there, he doesn't score. Um, and some of this Jordan will come down to the the, the Olympics team because a lot of these guys will play for the U.S. Men's National Team for the Olympics. So you're going to get to see another thing Cade we have Cal. to cover this right. summer. <laughs> right. I was going to say there's a lot coming up this summer because uh, Cade Cal and then we'll all be there with the U.S. Men's National Team. So we got splits. We got split squads that are going to happen, I believe, because the way they kind of line up. So that'll be interesting because they'll, they'll pull some of the younger guys over. But I don't know. Jordan, there's some outliers, of course, but we're not going to get into them. Um, if you want to drop those in the comments below, that's great. Um, but Jordan, let's get into our depth, uh, our depth chart. Like, who is the top three? Who's the top three for Jordan going forward in 2026 as far as the World Cup's concerned? I think my top three would be Sargent. Sargent's got to be number one or two, and I would have Balogun as the other one or two, and then I'm probably taking Pepe. Um, if I needed somebody to score a goal, though, maybe because I don't know the third striker is usually not not going to do much. Right. But I would say my other option would be would be probably Brandon Vasquez, but he is a little more older and a little more um, prepared, I guess. Yeah, so I, I think the first two are, are interchangeable at this point. Palagoon and Sargent. I think it's just a matter of who's going to be hot at that point. I think those are the two that you're looking at as playing one two. Um, to the fiddle there i think it it's likely to be it's likely to be balagoon if he continues to progress i think jordan because he's just such an interesting option and i think playing with this system he actually fits better than josh but and because of the pace up front that we're going to have with timothy Weah, with kristen Polisic, with gio reyna with weston mckinney like those are some fast paced let's knock their doors in kind of uh, guys and I, and Sargent is a little bit obviously slower than Bal- Balagoon's a better athlete. So it, that's where I think it is. The, the, it's a toss up for third for me right now. I, I would say it's in between Haji Wright and Pepe. Um, I really like the way that Haji played, but I think looking forward in two years, I think Ricardo Pepe will be there. Like I think he's, he's pissed off enough for missing it last time. He, he made that very clear when he missed the last U.S. men's national team. Uh, roster, and I think it would be brilliant to bring in Pepe if you think he's going to be the next one in behind Balogun. Like once Sargent moves on, Pepe will be there, and he will be the one competing. I imagine with Balogun, so I think that's where you go in, in that situation. And, and Haji Wright fills in if any of those are here, are injured, and then you have Jesus in your back pocket too. Which Jesus could feature Jordan as more of like a yeah, that's what I like, winger. Jesus like, might get converted a, to like yeah. a, a deeper nine like a or, Morris. you know like yeah. a, a wing or yeah. anything like that I, I could see him getting the, the the call up there and be listed as a midfielder on yeah. the on the sheet you know but yeah uh who knows but i i wouldn't have him as my out and out nine yeah so i think jordan we're in a consensus consensus i think we we probably will say right now if we're taking three it'd be balagoon sergeant and peppy yeah with haji Wright being next up if somebody's hurt yeah, maybe bring Vasquez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'd, I'd probably bring Vasquez over Haji. At the, well, no, no, okay. Haji's doing well in the championship, so I don't know. Probably Haji. Yeah. Yeah, there would be debate, I think. But yes, yeah. I think the top five are pretty clear for us, which is cool because I thought, you know, when I was doing this list, I was like, I think I think we can do this. Like five, five should be easy. Like, what if I had just brought to the table like a fourteen-year-old phenom? Like, yeah, uh, it's right. this guy. What about Ezekiel him? Soto? Like, I'm like, what? Yeah, because uh, yeah. he's another name. He's nineteen years old that, that you'll have to watch. I forget exactly where he is. I want to see Dallas. Uh, it seems like Dallas has everybody. Um, I'm just guessing at this point. I forget exactly where. No, he's international. 
I don't know. Dallas probably sold him. <laughs> anyway, Jordan, this was called State of the Union. I think that's what we're going to call this series. State of the Union Strikers uh, edition. So um, look forward to uh, doing this with the rest of the positions. I don't think there's going to be that much debate. I think it'll be more debate of like who the fringe players are on the wings until we get towards the defense because I think there's some great debate on the back line. There even might be a great – I think there's a really great debate on – We've got some really good goalkeepers. I, I think goalkeeper of... <laughs> is. I, I, if you yeah. look past striker, I think goalkeeper is Goal- the next one up the in the air one. because. Yeah. Matt's not been great. <laughs> and, and, he, and sometimes not playing. And then, yeah, I mean, you're, you're running into some yeah. issues with, with that. So. And yeah. you've got some really great young goalkeepers in Gaga and Brady. Like, you've got some damn good choices coming up, but they're young. Zach Steffen's always a good And I don't know if you'd ever want to go young in a goalkeeper at a World Cup anyway. So I think you would probably still lean someone like Turner or Steffen, especially if he plays well in Colorado. But that stuff we'll save for another time. All right. Well, that wraps up the State of the Union U.S. Men's National Team Strikers episode here. So make sure you follow us at Stateside Show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok threads all those good places you can like and subscribe to the youtube channel to get more youtube content uh our fun kit watch episode where we are going to rank the kits of the 2024 mls season is going to be coming out in the next couple weeks here before the season kicks off so make sure you look out for that and uh tier lists that we're going to be doing with like soccer crests or uh, mascots, all that good stuff that you should be keeping an eye on in the future. Um, also, you can email us, statesideshow at gmail.com. Make sure you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps more people find the show, uh, which is always good for you and also good for listeners because then listeners might then be prompted. If we have more listeners, more listeners might be prompted to send us feedback, which then helps better the show or at least ask questions that we can ponder on episodes like today. Have a great rest of your week. We will catch you next time when we have a our last Eastern Conference preview as we gear up for the 2024 MLS season. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.